Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have spoken to you time and time again about motorcycles, and I think they're scary things. I couldn't, well, I have, but I couldn't really imagine myself riding on the road on a motorbike, really as a, as a daily rider or anything like that. It scares me. I think the freedom of riding a motorbike on the road is amazing. The enjoyment of riding a motorbike on the road is amazing, but I just don't trust enough motorists around, around me uh, to be comfortable sitting on a motorbike. However, I will say that if you are a motorbike rider, I really recommend one product, and it's called the MyView M760D. We have installed this on a Ducati before for a friend of mine who I want to make sure has a strong recording of everything he's doing on the road in case something ever should occur. But the MyView M760D is a dash cam for motorbikes. You may not have never heard about these. A lot of people strap GoPros to their bikes. It's a bad idea. This is a front and rear camera that can get integrated into the bike for power and everything else to make sure that it is constantly recording the second you turn that bike on and stops automatically recording when you get off the bike. This is a smart way to record everything that's happening while you're riding, everything that's happening from the front, from the back, and obviously with those wide angle lenses capturing everything else. You've got that G sensor built in, you've got GPS tagged video. It's just like having a real proper dash cam, but it's on a motorbike and it's so small and so discreet, it won't ruin the aesthetics of the bike either. Simply pair an app with it from your smartphone. You can take the footage straight off the cameras as well when you finish riding. It's waterproof to IP67 rating. Honestly, guys, if you're a motorbike rider or you know someone who is, this is just an important gadget that should be mounted to every motorbike that's out there. I'm surprised that this is not more popular and that more people don't know about it. That's why I'm here. Head to navman.com.au and check it out if you ride motorbikes or you know someone who does. Let's get on with the show. Rasembras ma Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to this show. Thank you for, uh, for joining in. Uh, I will just quickly start the show by telling you one thing. Um, if you haven't guessed from the voice and you did listen to last week's show, um, the inevitable did happen. I did the double line positive test uh, earlier in the week. And honestly, it's not that much fun. Uh, COVID is not fun at all. And it is very much COVID. It's not a flu. It's not a cold. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm probably speaking so late in the whole pandemic here that many people listening might be thinking, yes, I've had it before. Welcome to the club. But if you haven't had it, don't go looking for it. It's genuinely not a fun thing to have. It was, uh, I think the first two days of it, um, it was very much um, not crippling, but I was pretty useless. Um, I was pretty much just slumped in a chair, typing on a keyboard and able to move my mouth and, and eyes. Um, I was pretty, pretty, pretty wrecked. I'm getting better and better. I'm still sounding a little bit congested, but um, overall, yeah, COVID ain't fun. So, what about technology? Well, speaking of technology, there's been a number of news uh, items that have come out this week, and I'm really excited to cover them. Um, I, I, as we speak, one of the news items that we're talking about, I am downloading and can't wait to play uh, after this. So do stay tuned to hear more about that. But uh, first of all, how's your kitchen? How is your kitchen in your home? Can you talk to it? Can you talk to any of your appliances in your home? Some people can talk to their kettle. Some people can talk to their dishwasher. 
so I'm going to talk to their microwave. That's right, Panasonic have released a new microwave which has Alexa built in. And this is a really interesting thing because I have a microwave in my home. It's not a smart microwave, but guess what? It must have, I don't know, 25 buttons and a dial and even a screen. I don't even know what the buttons say, but I know there's one button that says 30 seconds. And I just mash that button five times, four times, whatever amount of times I think I need to mash it until I get my hot food. I've never been one to understand what the microwaves actually do beyond just give me 30 seconds of heat or one minute of heat. Um, but I believe there's actually a whole bunch of settings to them. Now, the Panasonic smart microwave um, would be useless in my hands because I would just say to Alexa to set the microwave for one minute. And I can do that pretty quickly with my thumb. But what they have here is it's a smart inverter countertop microwave oven. So that probably means you can do a lot more things than just reheat a meat pie. Um, in fact, there's a number of things that I talk about you can actually do with it um, in the conversation with your smart speaker. So it would be something you can walk up to and actually talk about what recipe or what food you're putting in there, um, what you're defrosting, what you're actually planning on cooking, what kind of um, cooking time you need, what temperature and those kinds of things. This is a bit more of a smart electric oven in most cases. Um, but honestly, if it was just a smart microwave, I don't know if I need it. Um, as I'm walking to the microwave with my plate of food that I'm probably ashamed to be putting in there in the first place because it's old or it's not healthy or whatever it is, the last thing I need to do is be shouting out loud and having the neighbors hear what I'm putting in the microwave. I don't know. Hey, hey Alexa, reheat yesterday's dinner, which was KFC or something like that. Reheat, reheat that half-eaten meat pie that I didn't finish earlier. I don't know. Reheat the family pie. Yes, I know I'm the only one home. Just reheat it. I'm making it. I'm cooking a big old meat pie. I don't know. But anyway, if you really want a smart microwave, you can actually go and get one. Um, and when they do come to Australia, they're coming, if they do, at around 450 buckaroos uh, when they do arrive. And speaking of buckaroos and Australian slang, again, sticking with Alexa here too, the the Amazon Alexa for many people in Australia has now been updated and it's received a bunch of updates and I know about them because I had a little care package delivered to me today uh, from the sweet lady herself, Amazon Alexa. And it was it was quite creative. It was a um, what looked like a takeaway roast chicken bag. Uh, and inside it was a pair of uh, thongs or pluggers whatever you want to call them, um, flip-flops if you're in America. And there was a couple of other bits and pieces in there as well. But they did basically want to push the point that there has been some more Australian-isms added to Alexa. So questions that you can ask, ask your assistant and get some answers on. And these are about very deep Australian culture questions that, you know, somebody outside of Australia would have no idea what we're actually talking about, such as what is a risol? Risol, I, I think I learned today, is not an international um, understood term. I thought it was. I thought when you went to the butcher and you asked for a dozen risols or six risols, um, I just thought that I could walk into a butcher potentially in America and ask her the same question. Apparently not. Apparently they don't quite understand what a risol is. However, if they did come to Australia and someone said, hey, do you want a risol? Rather than be embarrassed and ask their, their guest or their visitor what it is, they would be able to walk up to Alexa and ask what the question, um, what the actual F it is. What is a risol? Now, there are some other things that they've added to it as well. And this has been interesting for me to read. So what is a bachelor's handbag? 
Hence that roast chicken bag that, that came in. I get it now. And, you know, I put two and two together. I have been on numerous occasions uh, dining on my own or, you know, the rest of the family is out and you're coming home and you're like, I need to make dinner just for me. What am I going to have? Duck down to Woolies and you pick up what I now know as a bachelor's handbag, a roast chicken in a bag. And I tell you, most of the time I'd leave it in the bag and I just smash the fork in there and eat straight from the bag while watching whatever the heck I can on Netflix. Those are pretty good nights and good memories. And I usually try and do that with a beer. I'm telling you what, if that's a bachelor's handbag, I really enjoyed them. But some other questions that I read that I absolutely have no idea what the answer is to, and I'll tell you what they are. What is a dog's eye? I don't know. What is a private school plugger? What is a foot falcon? Anyone? What is a Tuesday frisbee? Okay. Who is the Baroness of Broadbeach? Now, all those ones I just read out, I don't know the answers to. Now, obviously, as part of this, the natural response would be, well, go and ask Amazon Alexa. That's what you're meant to do in this situation. And I could. The problem is that I went to Google at first. Google didn't know. I literally open up Google, Google google.com. Type in these exact questions. What is a dog's eye? What do you think I'm getting search results for? I'm getting search results about dog's eyeballs. Um, I'm not getting my answers. So really, if you want to know the answers to any of these questions and you actually genuinely want to know, um, you need to go and buy an Amazon smart speaker and actually ask the question. Now, it's been interesting because only last week, I turned our master bedroom into an Alexa stronghold. Um, I put two Sonos Ones in there, uh, one on each bedside table, and I've got the Amazon Fire Stick TV plugged into the TV that's in the um, in the master bedroom, and and it's actually really cool because you can simply ask, you know, um, your voice assistant to turn the TV on, even to flick it over to Netflix, whatever you want to do, and it's all done through voice and actually works really really well. Um, and the reason I did that, just to be very clear, the rest of the house is Google. And one of the things that I'm really not enjoying about having so many smart speakers around the house that are on the same voice assistant is that when I'm in the kitchen, which is pretty much in the center of our house, um, when I ask to set a timer, I sometimes get a response from a speaker down the hallway. Or when I ask what the weather is, literally the Nest Hub Max that's sitting right in front of my eyeballs doesn't even respond another speaker in the lounge room responds or something like that, which is really annoying me. Um, So I'm starting to think about how I can break out these rooms by voice assistant, because if one of them is is, is Alexa and the other one is Google, then I have no issues in them picking up each other's questions. Um, So it's a bit of a problem. Anyway, at some point, um, I'll go into the master bedroom and I will ask what these, the answer to these questions are. There may be others. I find it uh, bizarre that there is one, two, three, four, five. There's seven questions. Surely there's more than seven questions that you would need to ask to cover Australian culture, um, especially ones that I don't even understand except for what is a risol? Big deal. That's an easy one. Anyone can Google that one. Um, but is that the really most – are these the Australianisms that we really all know? Now, look, and I guess the biggest call out here before I move on, the biggest call out here is that they've partnered with the Batuta Advocate to come up with these, a guy named Errol Parker, who's the editor at large um, for the Batuta. Now, all I know about the Batuta Advocate 
is that I see people screenshot their headlines and post it on Instagram stories. I've never been to their website. I've never read their stories. I don't even know if their stories have content. All I know is that there's headlines are very creative and people take screenshots of them and post it as, as like an Instagram story. That's all I've ever seen of the publication. And I mean, am I going to find the answers to these questions on their website? On what is it, batutaadvocate.com? I don't even know. So I don't know. Maybe this is a niche thing. Maybe this is more niche than just Australia. Maybe it's like a Newtown, Surrey Hills. I don't know. Now, before we get on to a break, because um, God, do I need one. I'm telling you what, being this whole COVID thing, short on breath. And you're probably hearing me really struggle through some of my sentences and having to take some, um, some bigger breaths even in between, which is really odd. Uh, but let's move on. I saw this week uh, some interesting news and it came from Elon. I actually have Elon Musk's Twitter feed as a dedicated column uh, on TweetDeck now because the guy has become super active since he's expressed interest in buying it. And uh, he made a pretty big announcement around what I kind of thought was already the case, but always felt it would be having Starlink for RVs. Now, in in America, uh, a recreational vehicle is an RV, which is usually like a bus, which you can sleep in. Uh, It's a big thing in America, whereas in Australia, we're more caravanners. Um, But the same thing applies. So say, for example, you're about to take a round country trip. You're heading out bush. You're heading out to Timbuktu and beyond in your caravan. But you need internet access. Maybe you want to work while you're on the road. Maybe it's a traveling, working holiday. Well, Starlink makes a lot of sense because Starlink will provide you with greater levels of internet connectivity in most parts of Australia with a higher bandwidth. I mean, I mean higher upload and download speed than any other internet service that we have available in the country. Now, obviously, if you can get mobile signal, that's great. doesn't mean you get better speeds than what you're getting on Starlink. Um, But if you are someone who's desperate for connectivity when you're on the road and you do want to make sure you've got it, Starlink is now a very viable option. Yes, there's a high upfront cost. Yes, there's even a high monthly cost. But maybe this is your home internet connection and you're taking it with you on your holiday. Because again, it can certainly be your home internet connection. And this is now going to be available in Australia. You can now order this particular satellite, which is specialized for RV. However, I could easily adapt it to my home and plug it into my home Wi-Fi router and make it work in the same fashion. Uh, This is fantastic news for anybody who's spending a lot of time on the road. Now, when I tweeted this, um, I had some really good feedback, even from, uh, I want to get the the name correct because I don't want to um, muddle this part up, Uh, from Andrew, Andrew, who's a truckie. And there's nothing better than hearing from our truck community uh, because huge respect to those guys who literally keep Australia moving in that sense. But um, the feedback was was quite simple. If you're going to spend a lot of time on the road, something like this does make sense. And um, Andrew is based in Western Australia. And my question was simple. Do you find moments where you don't have um, connectivity? And it was yes. And I know that when I drove up to Northern Queensland recently, I had heaps of black spots and I wasn't even going that far out in the country. So you can imagine those who are, how much dead air they would have, where if something was to go wrong or if they needed connectivity, this service is an important factor. And for me, it was because of data and actually thinking about you know, video calls, um, downloading video content, listening to this podcast, whatever it could be. Um, but Andrew made it very simple. This would be beneficial for Wi-Fi calling. And it's so true. Most people should know. I hope people know that if, even if you don't have mobile reception, if you've got access to Wi-Fi, 
you can now do Wi-Fi calling on most smartphones. That means you're leveraging the Wi-Fi to make your call. You're not using the telecommunications network from your mobile provider. You're using the Wi-Fi network to get that line out. And it's so true. If you have Starlink and your phone is connected to it via Wi-Fi, then hello, you've now got phone calls. And that means that you could be taking a call, making a call from anywhere potentially in Australia at any time. And that's a massive benefit for someone who spends a lot of time on the road. And I really think that's a smart move. So yeah, if you're a truckie, if you're, if you're a traveler, um, Starlink RV could be the next big thing that starts to really roll into this country. Uh, and I'm excited for that. Now, after this, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to um, talk about some stuff from Dyson. Dyson's gone big on robotics, and I want to talk a little bit about that. And I'm also going to talk about the mouse that's in my hand. I know, you might think it's going to be a lame review. It's not. Um, And one more thing, what am I still downloading while this podcast continues? We'll cover that too. Stay tuned. Now, just quickly on this one, uh, Dyson sent some emails out this week and I started to really follow up and ask some questions. But there was a a video that was uh, also shared earlier today and basically covers where Dyson's strategy is moving. Now, recently we heard about these headphones with the air purification built in. Something I think is ridiculous would love one or the other, um, even in my current situation with with COVID. But um, they've also, most people would know them for their vacuums. Uh, a lot of women would know them for their hair dryers and hair straighteners that they now have. Um, and I think a lot of people, even if you don't know any of that, would know them for their hand dryers that you find in public toilets. Um, they literally blow the, hand, the water off your hands darn quickly. But what was interesting in this conversation in this video was that the biggest area of focus right now for Dyson is robotics. They want to really push robots into our homes. And they're not talking about just a robot vacuum cleaner like we've seen in their versions that actually are sold overseas. They're not in Australia yet. But if you think about Ecovacs and others in Australia, that's not the kind of robots that Dyson's really focused on. What they're focused on is bringing real robots into your home to do the chores that you're doing. And it's not to try and reinvent that chore and make a small gadget that rolls around on the floor and sucks things up. It's to mimic some of the actions that we take as in how our arms and wrists and hands move to actually produce real results. And what it effectively means from what I could understand from the video and from the text is that imagine a device that maybe does roll around on wheels, but it actually has a large arm that would potentially hold a real Dyson vacuum and do the vacuuming for you. That's really the kind of focus that we started to hear about from Dyson, where their vision of robots is mimicking your own actions, not trying to reinvent them and make them smaller. So what we're talking about here is everything. Um, There was one robot that was shown picking up the toys off the floor. You know, a lot of people have kids. You, You leave for school, the house is a mess. And this robot kicks in, starts picking up the kids' toys, putting them back in their boxes. And then maybe the robot vacuum, the literal vacuum, starts to come out and clean up. Um, the emptying of the dishwasher, you know, things that actually need hands, robotic hands, robotic arms to articulate, to move and grab things. This is what Dyson is now working on. They, they were showing huge warehouses, huge spaces full of engineers, coders, designers, all focused on robotics with you know, products that we're probably never going to see for a number of years yet. But they have so heavily invested, so 
driven to move into robotics that they have made huge investments in this space. Um, and I've seen, I've seen videos before about how Dyson tests their vacuums and over-engineer their, their, their hair dryers and everything else. And I love that. Seeing how focused they are on robotics is interesting because if they're doing it, then surely so many other companies are doing it as well. I just hope that Dyson actually gets things to market. And one of the things that we do see with Dyson is they spend so much time working on something, invest so much money in R&D, but sometimes they never actually end up even releasing a product. And that worries me because I don't want them to be a company of experimentation and no results. I like what Dyson does. I want to actually see it. I want to experience it and feel it and test it, try it and have you guys get the benefit of that as well. So look, let's wait and see. Um, it's fascinating to me what Dyson's doing, heavily focused on real robots, real movement, um, and real, I guess, replacement of our actions with a robot action instead of trying to reinvent the category entirely. And I think that's fascinating. Now, what is downloading at the moment um, on the computer behind me, not on the computer, on the Xbox behind me? It's an update to Flight Simulator. Now, there's actually been two updates, including this one that's been very exciting of, of late. Uh, one of them was a very highly detailed um, map update for Malta and Italy. I think parts of Italy. Well, I don't know if it was all of it. And I did that download the other day and it's unbelievable. You know, my, my parents were born there and I've been there a couple of times, maybe more than a couple of times now. And it's one of those places that I can now fly over and recognize areas, recognize places. It's that detailed. It's that vivid um, in Flight Simulator. Now, I've been using this um, Velocopter or something like that, which flies very, very slowly and very smoothly because it's an easy way to, to explore a place when you know where exactly where you want to fly. The most recent update is going to flip that on its head. Uh, it's Microsoft Simulator. Flight Simulator has actually released a Top Gun expansion. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a new version of the Top Gun movie coming out called Maverick. And I was actually meant to see that on Sunday, but hey, you can't really go to the movies when you've got COVID. And now... There's an expansion pack available which has like FA-18 um, Super Hornet in it. It's got some crazy um, jet that's only featured in the movie. I don't think it's a real movie, uh, like a real plane. I forget what it's even called. I, I had it written down somewhere. Um, and it's got an aircraft carrier landing as well. Hell yes, this is going to be awesome. And the reason I'm saying this is this. Both of these updates are free. And not that long ago, there was an FA-18 um downloadable that you could have gotten for flight simulator but it was like $50 like real money like 50 Australian dollars to download a new plane to fly in a game now i love games like flight simulator uh, and farm simulator even and obviously i i enjoy things like forza and and call of duty and things like that what i don't love is paying for expansions i hate the idea of paying for a new car to drive in the game or a new plane to fly like, I like my gaming, but I don't like it enough to pay that kind of money um, to fly a different colored plane or a different looking plane. Uh, that's ridiculous. So knowing that this is a free update, that makes me a little bit happy. And knowing that it's a Top Gun version with an FA-18 Super Hornet, oh yeah, baby, I'm going to be playing that tonight. Um, and this is one of the other weird things, guys. You know, if you've got COVID, you might already know this, but I'll tell you what, I don't get that tired now. Like, I mean, I get sleepy, I get tired, like physically tired, but then I go to bed and my eyes ain't closing that quickly. Um, so I've been up later this week than any other week in my life. Like 
it's been very, very weird how long it takes me to get to sleep now. So yeah, maybe a bit of Top Gun Flight Simulator isn't going to help, but it's certainly going to be what I'm going to be doing while I'm not sleeping. Now, very quickly, maybe very quickly, I don't know. How often do you review a mouse? I don't usually review mice, mouses, um, but I did this time. And I'll tell you why. And this is an important thing now that I think about it. For a number of years, maybe two or three years, I've been using the Logitech MX series keyboard and mouse. They are gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. The keyboard um, is like a chiclet type. It's very small keys, which I can quickly type on. And I love it. I'm not talking about the keyboard today. The mouse that normally comes with that of the MX, it's called the MX Master 3. Um, it is one of the most sexiest mice on the planet. Mouse on the planet. Mouses. And it's got a scroll wheel on the top. It's got a scroll wheel on the side. It's got two buttons on my thumb for forward and back navigation in a browser. Um, left and right click, as you'd expect. That's pretty much what that mouse does. And I love it. However, what I've noticed with a normal mouse, and this would be any mouse that actually sits flat. What I notice is that over the course of the day, my pinky, I know we're getting technical here, my pinky um, starts to stick out. It starts to move itself. I mean, I'm right-handed, right? So my, my pinky starts to move even further to the right and distance itself from the other fingers as if they don't get along. And it almost starts to look like when you're holding a teeny tiny coffee cup and your pinky just starts to pop out a little bit, getting a little bit dainty, like you're talking to the queen. My pinky does that during the day. And honestly, because I literally will spend, you know, my nine to five job at this desk and then my 9 p.m. to midnight work at this desk using this same mouse, by the end of the day, sometimes my pinky hurts. Okay? So when Logitech told me that they have a new vertical ergonomic mouse, I said, okay, send it over. It's a $130 mouse and it carries the same uh, design as it's got these dark grays and black hues to it and it's gorgeous. And you put it on your desk and it literally is like tipping your mouse. If you have one in front of you right now, just tip it sideways, tip it on the side. And those buttons now face outwards, and that's what it is. It's like that. And it's got obviously a large flat base, so it can sit straight, but that's what it's like. It's like literally having your fist, if you were to clench a fist and put it down with the pinky on the, on the floor, that's kind of what it's like, almost like holding a joystick in some ways. And you get kind of used to this idea of using your hand um, in a vertical orientation and clicking inwards towards yourself instead of clicking down towards the desk. And I, I've been using this for about two or three weeks now. And my pinky doesn't hurt anymore because it's kind of now underneath um, the mouse in some ways. But it's not the same. I'm kind of not. Am I going to stick with it? I don't know. And the reason I say that is this. While I enjoy using the vertical ergonomic mouse, um, there's a couple of things I love about it. Let me get into that. The couple of things I love about it is this. The buttons are almost completely silent to click. Listen to this. You probably can't even hear that. That's me clicking it with the mouse literally right next to the microphone. However, the, the MX Master 3, which I normally use, sounds like this. Okay. That annoys me. I hate the sound of mouse clicks. Like I hate it. It really bothers me. So that is dead silence coming from the vertical mouse. The scroll wheel, however, is a knobby scroll wheel. It makes that clicking sound as you scroll. I don't like that. The MX Master series 
is a completely silent scroll. And it's silent and it can also be whizzed, whizzed down as well. So if I spin it super hard, it continues to spin without me even touching it. Like you flick the thing and it just goes and goes and goes. I just gave it a spin now and it'll spin till the end of the episode, basically. I love that. So I've got a bit of a mixed reaction going on here. The other thing that I noticed, the MX Master 3, which was the mouse I was using for such a long time, had the horizontal scroll wheel. Meaning that if I was on a spreadsheet, um, on a web page that was wide, whatever it was, I could move it from side to side as well as scrolling up and down. The vertical mouse does not have that. And that bothers me. So while I've got forward back navigation on my thumb, which is so handy if you're a web browser, um, I don't have horizontal scroll wheel, which that does come up for me from time to time. So beyond that, they're very similar mice, mouses. And uh, look, if you're someone who's like me and you've been getting a sore pinky or a sore wrist and you're thinking that you need to do something about it, it probably is something worth trying. Mine is the graphite version. They come in a rose um, for, I don't know, feminine people. I don't want to say females anymore. I don't want to get in trouble. And it comes in a pale gray, which is effectively white um, with a little bit of gray hue on it. So I think that's the unisex model. If I'm being a misogynist pig, um, that's the unisex. The pink is for the ladies and the blacks for the guys. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it though, because it hasn't got the horizontal scrolling. Um, and I don't know if I'm happy to lose a pinky over it, but uh, maybe I want the horizontal scrolling just as much. But there may be a left vertical ergonomic mouse with horizontal scrolling coming in the future. And if so, I will be more than happy to try that. But who would have thought that a mouse could get such a round of attention? Well, it can. And I really think that the mouse that you use is very, very important. And maybe that's something you people should be considering. It's good for your wrists. It's good for your productivity because genuinely I feel if I can navigate faster, I can work faster. If I can move at the speed of my thought, that means that I'm getting things done without rethinking what that thing was because um, my biggest problem is literally forgetting things at the moment and I'm doing a lot of that. So um, anyway, if you've made it this far, I apologize for talking and sounding just so sick and I do appreciate you guys for listening um, to this COVID sponsored show. Next week, I hope to sound a heck of a lot better. We've got WWDC coming up. There's a number of events coming up that I can see in my calendar. There is a lot to look forward to. So stay tuned. I'll speak to you again very, very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.